Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode number 25 of Thyroid Nation Radio Live talk show and podcast. I'm Dana Bowman, founder of ThyroidNation.com. And I'm Tiffany Mladenich of GratefulGarden.biz. We're also known as Dana and Tiffany. We're Dana and Tiff, bringing you the voices of thyroid advocates, clinicians, bloggers, and thyroid thrivers everywhere. Good morning, Dana. How are you this morning? Well, I'm good. Very good. <laughs> Thank you. All right. I'm a little hot, but other than that, I'm good. Oh, that's right, huh? In just a few short minutes here, we'll be talking live with the amazing, fabulous Lorraine Cleaver, a fervent thyroid advocate and co-author of Thyroid Petition Scotland. But first, before we bring Lorraine on, there are just a few things that we want to share with you guys. Make sure to join us in the Hashis and Graves Facebook group, a place where we can all ask questions as well as get guidance, resources, cry, laugh, the whole nine yards, and support from those that understand and are sharing the journey. Yep, and if you tuned in last week, we hope you did. You heard us chatting with the wonderfully knowledgeable Dr. Alan Christensen, who was absolutely wonderful, and I have a couple memes that I need to make based on the things that he said. And there's some things we didn't even get to cover. It was such a great show. I can't wait to have him back. So if you mm-hmm. missed that, you check it out in the archives. It was a really, really, really great, great show. You can also see the wonderful lineup of innovative guests we have scheduled coming up. On that page, let's see, who do we have next week? We have Katie Cleary, the founder of AutoimmuneMoms.com. She's going to be wonderful. Just know it. And we have future guests like Dr. Jill Carnahan, Dr. Jill Carnahan, excuse me, <laughs> and Gina Lee Nolan and Raina Kranz, a thyroid trainer, who's part of the team, as well as Shannon Garrett, Autoimmune RN, who's part of the team. So we've got some really great guests coming up. You can check that out on the list at thyroidnation.com slash radio tab, and then you can also check out the archives of all the shows on the archives page. Yeah, lots of great guests there, too, that we've had on. Amazing people. As always, a very, very big thank you to our listeners. Uh, We want to hear about your thyroid thriver journey. I mean, Lorraine Cleaver, she's got an amazing uh, thyroid thriver journey, and just, my gosh, I can't wait to hear about that today. Um, So make sure to submit your thyroid thriver story to thyroidnation.com. Thyroid thrivers, submit your story. The key is is it's it's not necessarily whether you're healed or not. We want to hear about the journey because the journey is where so many people find their own aha moments or, or don't feel so alone. You know, they go, gosh, you know, I thought I was the only one who had gone through that or, or whatever. So it's, it's really important. We'd love it if you did submit your thyroid thriver journey story to help other people. It does help. And was, it's really interesting. No, she's not. It takes five minutes before the Skype button will pop up. So okay, it hasn't okay. been five minutes on the show, so it'll take a minute. But I was going to say, you know, the journey, it's all about the journey. And I have to tell you, I was chatting with a fabulous, fabulous thyroid advocate. Her name is Jill. I'm not going to say her last name, but she knows who she is if she's out there. And we were talking about how um, 
I, I asked her if she wanted to write her thyroid thriver story, and she said, oh, well, my story isn't really one of success or about thriving. It's, you know, mm. just not like that. And I said, actually, it's really, it's not about that. That What helps people is to connect with those and, and, and stories that make them feel more real. She had some issues with some tumors and some other things, and and she was finding connection between both of those, thyroid and, and tumors and all that. And I said, now, see, that's a story. Because there's right. so many people out there that don't realize the connection between the two. And so she was like, oh, right. She didn't understand. Like she did, you say thyroid thrivers, and I did make the name that way because I wanted it to sound positive and upbeat and that kind of thing. But it's not about necessarily thriving. It, it's really just about helping others and, and not feel so alone. So she was like, okay, you're right. Yeah, I do have a story to tell. You know, her sister had passed away and had something similar to what she has and I was like, look, that, that's something that people need to know. That's, that's really, really important. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, so mm-hmm. we would like to have your thyroid driver story, and it doesn't have to be about your success because, you know, people can relate to everything. And success is great. We love to hear success stories. We love to find out what everybody is doing that's working for them, and it's wonderful to read those stories, but also the ones that are just real. We can all relate to those. So. All right. And I, I think mean, that I mean, Lorraine – Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. That's what I was just going to say, oh, Lorraine's driver's story. I cried when I read her when I read hers. Yeah. Oh, I know. And she, I think she was my second thyroid drivers. So oh, we've, we've been that? connecting for a wonderful, for a long time, yeah. So, I mean, Travis is like, Lorraine's coming up, you know, very excited because, you know, we've, we've known her for, since we started Thyroid Nation. She's been a big supporter and she's been fabulous and we've, chatted and chatted and, and gotten to know each other and so I can't wait to talk to her and hear her accent. It's going to be great. <laughs> right? I know, right? <laughs> We're so silly. We can't wait to talk to all the people in New Zealand and the UK and <laughs> Australia. Right? We can't wait well, to hear you know what, what they blows, sound like. You know what blows my mind is I think sometimes we have a, a tendency to feel very isolated in thyroid disorders. Like, you know, feel like it's just happening to us or this particular, you know, road is just happening to us. But when you talk to these people in New Zealand and Scotland and you realize that this is a really a serious global issue. I mean, that that's a whole other show for that, to really talk about environmental factors or plastics and the way food is transported and whatever it is, it's it's happening globally. It's not something that's just happening to us here in California or, you know, look at, you got Costa Rica, we've got New Zealand, we've got, you know, um, all these different people that we've talked to. And, you know, it helps you to realize, wow, this is, this is a really, it's a very large issue, you know? It is. It is a very large issue. And, and we were talking, of, I guess was it, it was with Tracy and Jilly about Fukushima. Right. And how that's right. a you know factor, and they weren't even really sure. I mean, I guess you know it's going to be years before we find out like statistics on what happened, and you know what I mean uh, for the Fukushima reactor. I think that's you know, and they didn't even know that we were we were relating other things, other earthquakes, other things, and there are so many different factors, environmental, like you said, and and so yeah. I mean, well, and iodine. People, look at iodine. Like I was well, looking at you know, iodine. Thank you. Looking that's up some things and. To, the Herald Scotland, you know, was talking about because we were getting ready for Lorraine, and I was looking it up. You know, two thirds they they studied 700 schoolgirls across Britain, and they found that 
more than two-thirds of them were deficient in iodine. And that was, that was reported by Harold Scotland in April of 2011, right? So when you look at right. just, just the global iodine deficiency, of course, people have moved away coastally and, you know, we're not, we're not exposed to iodine through food, through sea air, through all these other things, you know, anymore. And then, then you go people that are trying to be more healthy, right? I know I did it. Uh, final, interestingly enough, right around that same time that I gained 55 pounds in one year is I had given up table salt and I had gone to a naturally, uh, you know, a naturally occurring salt. And so when you do that, you drop this massive, massive amount of iodine when you do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, in one respect, you're, you know, of course, being healthier for the body, but unless you're, you know, eating sea vegetables and, and you know, um, live by the sea and you're eating fish and lobster and shrimp every day. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, there's also absolutely. that whole, you know, people being healthier. And then in one respect, it's, it's so much healthier for you. But then in another respect, you've, you know, reduced this, this large portion of iodine, uh, you know, in the table salt, <laughs> you know. And then, but then there's, there's those that aren't really reducing their amount of iodine intake because they're taking thyroid hormone <laughs> We just did right. not put two and two together. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor Z. I mean, right? It's just so it's so uh, obvious that it kills me that we just didn't get it, right? Well, and that's not really you know that's not really well published either. Just as a no, note, no. Like I went I looking for for more information on that. What Doctor C mentioned about iodine being in um, thyroid medication. And it, it's not exactly like just, bleh, it's not out there. This is something right. that, I mean, when he said that, honest to God, Dana, I have to tell you, I was like, wow. <laughs> we all were. You know were. what I mean? I was, I was really taken back by that. And um, so I mean, you're, talk you know. about a flower field moment. I mean, that was, <laughs> I mean, we had to stop, right? We had to stop. And <laughs> I think you and I were both like, Oh, wow, right? So then if you're adding another 150, let's just say you're on, you know, what did he say? It was equivalent to 100 micrograms per, uh, I want to say it was one grain was equal to 100 micrograms. Don't quote me on that one. Um, Dana's going to make a fabulous meme on that, right? <laughs> yeah, I am. I will. I but, uh, well, actually, and that, will, that will be accurate. <laughs> But that's a lot of iodine. So you figure if you're taking, let's just say, you know, I think average dose of NDT is, what, two grains? Yep. So that would mean you'd be intaking, you know, I, I want to say you said 150 per one grain. Yeah, I, think that I don't know how to look right. it up. Yeah. Oh, so, there okay, she so is. then you're getting. Oh, cool. Hold on. There she is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drag her in. I think what happens is now you have to invite guests to join the show. So I invited her, <laughs> okay. and there she is. You learn something new every day. Let's check in. <laughs> Hello? Hi, Donna. Hi, Tiffany. Hi. How are you? I'm so relieved to finally be connected. Sorry about that. Oh, my gosh. I love okay. your accent. I... Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> well. Okay, good. If you can understand okay. me, we're, yeah, you can understand me okay? I can. Yes. And Tiffany and I both watched your YouTube uh, video that I shared in the Hockeys and, and, and Graves group that you had posted the other day yeah. when you went in front of Parliament. And 
I mean, Travis and I watched it last night. I don't know about you, Chris, but and we were just it was a, it's fascinating. But also we were we could we were giggling because of your your accent. We were like, oh look, we get to hear ahead of time. It's going to be so neat. So it was really great <laughs> to to see yeah. that to see that right. Well, I I have to tell you, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. You have been so fabulous to me and helpful and a fan and a friend since I started Thyroid Nation. So. I thank you very much. You are my, my second thyroid thriver story out of what we have 55 stories now. So, so wow. thank yeah. you for that. And, and also I want to just, you know, tell everybody, I want to, I want you to start with your story because there are plenty of people out there who are suffering and who also don't know your story. And it is a, it's a intriguing and fascinating story and it, and it may take a few minutes, but bear with us because it is a great, great story. So just go ahead and start yeah. with that Lorraine. Okay. Thanks girls. Um, yeah, I sometimes feel a bit uncomfortable talking about my story again and again because so many of the, you know, your listeners and, and people on thyroid groups have heard it before, but there are always right. guaranteed new people coming along every day because the testing for this disease has not improved. So, you know, there, there will be people listening today that haven't maybe heard my side of hyperthyroidism then leading to hypothyroidism. So, um, I, well, basically I had really good health, absolutely no health problems at all until I was 37 and I had my first child. I felt great throughout the pregnancy, but they never tested thyroid. Um, the only thing that came up was iron, low iron. And the medics that I saw said, you know, you should take some iron supplements, but of course, I had stomach ache and she said, well, it's not too important to, you know, it's not too low. Don't worry about it too much. I since know, I've learned that um, iron deficiency is quite common uh, to Graves' disease. Whether it's a cause of Graves' disease, whether it's implicated in the autoimmune attack building up, I don't know. But everybody that I've spoken to and researched has had iron deficiency prior to their Graves' disease. So it's something I think that needs to be discussed and, and looked at a bit, bit more closely. Um, so anyway, I had a great pregnancy, delivered the baby, no problem. And then within two days, I weighed, I don't know what it is in kilos, you, you guys use kilos, but I was seven stone, which is very, very light for somebody who's just had a baby. And I breastfed. And I mentioned this to the health visitor that I'm very, very thin. I'm very hungry all the time, sweating, anxious, my heart's beating really rapidly. And she said that that was the wonderful side effect of breastfeeding, um, which oh astonishes me, what? you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, she, she did test me for depression. They have this, it's called the Edinburgh score. And you have to answer some questions. and. I said, I'm not depressed at all. I just feel very strange, very anxious, very hot. These are all red flags that should have been picked up. But anyway, and no thyroid test was done. And I limped along for nine months like this, just shedding more and more weight. I was just a bag of bones. And I remember taking my son to a playgroup when he was about six months old. And I saw mothers in there with little babies and toddlers pregnant again and I looked at these people having more than one child and thought they um, they must be crackers why would anyone 
have more than one child if this is the you know this is the, the hellish reality of having a baby because I thought that was to do with having the baby and you know it's really upsetting to talk about that and to think back to that because I made a conscious decision then never to have any more children because I felt so grim and so ill mm -hmm. and I know it was nothing to do with that um so yeah I limped on until finally I saw the seventh the seventh visit to the doctor and I had a huge goiter in my neck it was so swollen I could barely swallow by this point um and it was even more noticeable because I was so slim my neck was just enormous and the doctor said well I think you've got hyperthyroidism but you know you're always working too fast it can happen after pregnancy I'll put you on some beta blockers and send you off to see a specialist an endocrinologist and I did that and the endocrinologist said yes yes I'm, I'm fairly sure you have Graves disease but we'll do some further blood tests and antibodies and we'll, we'll check it out I went back a month later and he said yes yes your blood's confirmed that you've got Graves disease put me on all the proper medication carbimazole etc and I felt fantastic I couldn't believe how fantastic I felt after two weeks on carbimazole I do I do hear people say that they they never really got carbimazole they didn't feel great and I know that it can lower your white blood cells and you don't want to be on it too long term but I felt really good and my weight put you know I put some weight back on I stopped sweating I stopped eating for three um you know life was good however a year later when I went back for a checkup he told me that as I had Graves disease and I couldn't stay on the carbimazole whatever I would have to have my thyroid removed because the longer you're on the carbimazole and the longer you have the Graves disease the more risk the damage to your eyes so I look back now and I think what was I thinking why did I take that you know as read without researching that why did I just believe that and have an organ removed from my body I mean it is an organ at the end of the day um anyway at, at that point I still believed doctors know best and I went ahead I booked myself in for the surgery the surgery was uh, supposed to be a Friday morning so I checked the hospital on the Thursday evening did our pre-meds then the surgeon came to see me or 7 p.m and I said he said I'll see you downstairs in theatre in one hour and I said but I thought we were doing this tomorrow oh no I'll just get it done tonight and I said hang on a second have you just finished working at your day job in the NHS now you're going to come here and cut my neck open you know have you had a cup of coffee have you had some dinner oh don't worry I'll be fine I'll have a sandwich um, so off we go and I have my operation I wake up about three hours later and obviously I'll have drains of my neck to collect any excess fluid or blood from the neck wound and I expected that but I didn't expect to see my neck more swollen than when I had a goiter mm. I didn't feel right I didn't feel like I could breathe properly I had what I now know as um, I just wasn't breathing properly 
repeatedly asked for doctors, repeatedly was fobbed off and told I was just anxious. Um, they finally sent a physiotherapist to see me who brought a little gadget with her and I had to blow into it and try to eat some little plastic balls and that was supposed to be a marker of my lung function or whatever. Um, didn't work. They blamed me and that was the first instance of many instances to come where I was blamed, where it was my fault. So they told me it was my fault. I had to stop being so anxious and I insisted on a doctor again. Um, but before even that could happen, I panicked. I looked in the bathroom mirror and my neck was twice the width it had been previously. I looked deformed. I couldn't breathe and I ran out and to the I was just desperate gasping. Um, and it was a passing and uh, I think it was an anaesthetist who was about to start her shift and she saw the seriousness of the situation and she cut my neck wound open and removed one of the heart coma, the blood clot that had formed there. She removed that. Oh my. They paged the doctor, the surgeon. By the time he raced over to the hospital from his day job, um, my husband had arrived. It was like a bloodbath, you know, there was blood everywhere and every time I tried, blood was coming out of my neck. Uh, it was just horrific. Hmm. I remember my husband saying, is, is she going to die? Is my wife going to die? And nobody answering him. And, and I think that was the most frightening thing about the whole episode. You know, you kind of expect a doctor to reassuringly comment, oh, you know, it's, under, it's going to be uh -oh. fine. Right. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. yeah, There's and, and all of the, yeah, just a lot of blood. Uh, you can smell the fear in the air. Um, a nurse was holding my hand and saying, "You're being very brave," and I thought, "I'm not being brave. I can't get up and run away. I have nowhere to go with this." Right. But son, I have to live. So um, he removed most of the clot manually, and then he rushed me back down to theatre. And he said to my husband, we'll be about 45 minutes, maybe an hour. And seven hours later, my husband said, you still hadn't came back up. Nobody had told um, You know, he really thought I was dead. So obviously he did a good job, the surgeon, in repairing what had been left bleeding in my neck. And, you know, things go wrong in surgery. That's not a problem. Um, but when I woke up from the second surgery, I then had a severe tetany attack. That is where your parathyroid glands, which sit on top of your thyroid, if they're damaged or stunned or broken in any way, then you can't control your calcium in your body. So um, I had no calcium left in my body and my heart was going into spasm. My, aches, my whole body was covered with just pins and needle sharp aches. It was just awful. So I had to have some intravenous uh, calcium for over a week, I think, just daily, constant infusions of calcium. Stabilised, the surgeon came to see me and he, he said, you know, he was upset and he said, I'm really sorry about what happened. And, and I said, well, you know, you fixed it. So that's okay. I can move on. You've said sorry. You're only human. I'm not angry. You know, you fixed it. I'm going home to go on with my life and that's, we're all good. Mm -hmm. 
the next six years on level thyroxine were 10 times worse than anything that happened to me in that hospital. 10 times worse. Oh. I can't Rain. get that across. Yeah, I know, but isn't it bizarre? But I can't get it across to people just how traumatic it was in hospital. It's significance when I talk about being told your bloods are normal and you feel like death, you know. So that that was that was the graves allegedly at an end. But of course, as you girls know, you never get rid of graves disease. You know, your antibodies might reduce. Um, it might never reappear again. But you're never cured of graves disease per se. And removing the thyroid is just swapping one problem for a whole new one, which right. is hypothyroidism, which right. was you know hell. <laughs> so. So that was the um, quite horrific, but then I had to beg for thyroid meds. They've removed my thyroid, and I have to prove to them that I'm hypothyroid. Can can any of you understand that? Because I can't understand how someone cannot be hypothyroid. Yeah, I'm just in um, my head. I, I I don't know if you call this a flower field moment. Um, because it's not really a happy moment. It's um, it's just a moment when you're talking, and I'm and I'm sitting here and I'm listening, and I'm just shaking my head, and I'm and I'm trying to process all of yeah. that. That's extreme, Lorraine. That is extreme. What you went yeah. through, and then to be told, and then to have to prove that you're hypothyroid. I mean, I I can't imagine. I I truly can't. No, I couldn't either. I just couldn't believe it was happening to me. I just thought, what fresh hell is this? What parallel universe am I, am I in? <laughs> and, I, and I had really good private medical insurance. You know, I had access to allegedly the best medical care. Mm. So equally, my experience is not unique. You know, I know that this is happening to many, many others. Um, and I just hope, hope that we all advocate for ourselves and we all learn a bit more and we try to minimize that that horror so i really did naively think okay i've now got my thyroxine medication level thyroxine and life is going to be good mm -hmm. and i must have first couple of months that i took level thyroxine i felt fine i really did feel fine as it happened, I had made an error in my medication and I was taking double the dose that I was supposed to. So that's probably why I felt okay. Um, I was taking, yeah, I was taking 200, my paltry 100. Um, and then obviously he reduced my medication back down to keep the TSH in a certain range, you know. Uh, I think it was two, my TSH was at two. and. Every single symptom from then on is not thyroid related. I developed high blood pressure, uh, high cholesterol, tachycardia. Um, I lost all my hair. I was wearing a wig. I became obese. I fibromyalgia. I an not an endocrinologist, a rheumatologist who didn't get off his chair, didn't touch me, didn't take any blood tests, didn't look at any blood tests. He just said, oh, you've had your thyroid removed. Yes, yes, you'll have fibromyalgia. Don't look on the internet. 
Victorine, take some tramadol and pace yourself. And I thought, this is my life. This is going to be my life, you know. I'll have to take up crochet or knitting or something because I, I'm too ill to leave the house. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I know. And um, at one point, I patients a day. I was on sleeping tablets, antidepressants, anti-inflammatories, laxatives. Uh, oh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I was on a lot of drugs, including omeprazole, which is a an acid suppressor. Mm -hmm. a, you know, just two carrier bags every month full of drugs, and none of them helped in any way. Every two or three times a day, I thought, I'm surely going to die now. I've got this horrendous adrenaline surge comes over me, chest pain, total terror, a feeling of doom and terror. And as it turns out, this level thyroxine he was giving me wasn't doing anything. It wasn't turning into T3, you know, the active hormone. That was found to be the below the range. And when I brought this up to him, my endocrinologist, not relevant when you're taking levothyroxine. And I said, how can it not be relevant? Levothyroxine has to turn into T3 to, to give us energy. And mine isn't. So how can that not be relevant? So um, I went home, composed an email and sacked him. I just fired him. I found thyroid UK. Yeah, yeah, fire, fire. Every bad doctor, just fire them. Walk away. But but before you walk away, write to them and tell them why you're firing them. Um, oh, good point. Yeah, so I found... Very good point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think, I think, I think we, we're also emotionally bruised and just walk away and let off steam to our family, our friends. But mm -hmm. in fact, we have to be publicly letting these people know that they're service has fallen short. I think so. There's a, there's a few good websites in the UK. Um, I want great care.com and patient, patient opinion too. Um, and I always go on there and review any doctor that I see. Always. Um, so yeah, that's how bad things got. 18 medications a day, no life whatsoever, sleeping for 20 hours. Well, at one and point I fell asleep. And you had a new son. He was um he was two when my thyroid was removed so by the time he was four i was at my worst i was sleeping 20 hours a day oh i was my. asleep one day on the sofa and he set fire to his hair um it was it was just awful you know i sometimes work because i was not safe to look after him um i had no quality of life whatsoever my gp wanted me to apply for a a disabled badge for the car, you know, um, and that was the lowest point. I, I just wept in her office. I just said, I can't, I can't reduce to this. I can't become disabled and, you know, I have to find a way out of this. And she said, well, I know that your below range T3 is a serious problem. I'm not allowed to go above the consultant, but it's amazing what you could find on the internet, Lorraine. She was a fabulous GP. Um, I came home, my husband researched on the internet and we found the UK charity, Thyroid UK. And I read all these other patient stories on there and I thought, that's me. This isn't fibromyalgia. This isn't depression, you know. 
doing my thyroid or lack of right enough so um so thyroid uk were absolutely amazing to me the patients on there were so helpful and and so patient because you know yourself when you're starting out to learn about thyroid it's very intense there's so you know you've got brain fog you can't you can't really register what you're supposed to remember uh, so they were fantastic um especially a, a lady on on that charity page shows I'm, I'm forever indebted to shows um and and so through them i found the wonderful dr skinner and i, I remember going round to his office for my first appointment it was winter i was wearing 400 layers thermals and and when he went to examine me he said lift up your top i want and, and i flinched when he touched and i said i haven't been touched by a doctor in years nobody nobody touches me you know and he said but you're an endocrinologist and i said well not really you know so he was so thorough and he looked examined my tongue which was really enormous and scalloped around the edges my temperature was really low my skin was incredibly dry and my hair, what little hair I had, was very dry and wiry. And lifted down my eyelids and could see from the how pale the inner eye rim was that I was iron deficient. I was B12 deficient. Basically, in an hour, he solved more than any doctor had noticed in 10 years. And he prescribed me for thyroid you know the desiccated pig thyroid mm -hmm. and with it back i could feel the the temperature from my toes go through my body and i no longer felt frozen um i didn't go for a nap in the daytime and and the the world that had looked sepia colored suddenly looked multi colored mm -hmm. i just you would have to prize my pig thyroid from my cold, dead hands before I would take levothyroxine <laughs> again. So, so yeah, that, that's basically how I got back to health. Um, it's not a walk in the park doing it on your own because um, we've got an NHS here and, the, you know, your GP isn't always going to test everything that you need testing. But... I was very, very fortunate. I had private insurance and I could use that to get, you know, any tests done. Um, but the, yeah, was easy once I had the right medication. Wow. Badly for what me medication? though, Dr. Skinner. Yeah, so I was on thyroid from Dr. Skinner. Um, but when Dr. Skinner sadly died, which is almost, almost two years ago, I had no prescription. Describe it. Yeah, I buy it on the internet. <laughs> what what has happened in our lives that I have wow. to buy life saving meds on the internet? And and not everybody is confident to do that, and I don't blame them. And it's utterly wrong that we're in this position. But, but do you live and live well? You abide by the rules and remain ill. No, and it's a no brainer. No. That's a blaring no, no. Yeah. You absolutely yeah. want to live well. <laughs> yeah, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? It's a no-brainer. 
<laughs> for me anyways. Yeah. Yeah. It, so, that's, yeah, so that's, that's my story. story. I, I, I didn't go into any depth about the things that were deficient, but um, what I want to say is, before I move on to that, is that as I was told I had Graves' disease, I had no antibodies tested. They can't possibly know if I had Graves' disease because they never checked the antibodies. I've had them done since. I had them done a couple of years ago and they're negative. Hmm. See who's listening and who is hyperthyroid and has a goiter, insist on all the antibodies being tested, but also look into trying natural treatments instead of carbimazole. There's quite some success with L-carnitine, which mm -hmm. is or look at block and replace. Or stay on carbimazole for five, maybe six, seven years until the autoimmune attack has done its worst. But rushing to surgery isn't always the answer. I went into that hospital one, and I came out the next week still having Graves' disease and hypothyroidism and hypoparathyroidism. You know, my parathyroid glands were permanently dead. So on what world is that a solution? No. So Lorraine, let me ask you a question. If you were talking to a room full of women who were entering into surgery or even seeking advice from you in the similar situation that you were in before you went into surgery, what would you yes. tell that room full of women? Your first priority is to research the surgeon, and I didn't do that. Research the surgeon thoroughly and find out that he's done minimum 100 operations if you are determined to have your make sure that this man or woman has done at least 100 operations successfully and not just that he's done them successfully that the patients have not complained um but secondly it can be controlled with anti-thyroid drugs for a lot longer than a year so long as you keep a you know a check on your white blood cells and everything all your levels are okay you can remain on anti-thyroid medication a lot longer than i was left other thing is because my antibodies weren't checked i could quite simply have had postpartum thyroiditis mm. it's common the disruption to your whole endocrine system caused by the pregnancy is enormous so that disruption can then settle down back down and you know this knee-jerk reaction to remove an organ the organ isn't diseased the immune system's malfunctioning and it's forcing the thyroid to overwork but the organ itself isn't diseased so you know take thyroid forums like your own you know and and read as much as you can and don't make any snap decisions I hope, I think that nowadays, because of the internet, I think patients are far more interested in finding out for themselves what's going on. 
10 years ago when I, when I had this done, you know, I didn't use the internet so much. There has been something of a patient revolution. And so I hope and I'm encouraged by the patients that come onto my page and, and contact me that the trend is that people are now researching doctor knows best. So yeah, that's my advice. Take your time, research like mad. It's not always got to be a thyroid removal. Well, and pay attention like what, like what you mentioned um, in the very beginning about low iron. You know, when you know during your pregnancy. Yeah. You know, that's a that's a great question. It's something to look at if you're if your iron's low. You know, don't just take it at face value that okay, well it's not too bad that your iron's low. I mean, Tiffany, what was your what was your iron? Oh, my ferritin was an eight. My blood level, yeah. the total serum was normal. The total serum was normal, but the ferritin was eight. That's really low. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I didn't I didn't put a lot of store by it because in those days I didn't ever doubt. I think it's crucial that we keep an eye on that because women tend to be running low in iron because menstruation or you know diet. Um, and I think it's a very underlooked, under-resourced uh, symptom. If people start to run low in iron, you usually find the other problems follow on. But B12 is another major, major issue. I mean, I think 40% of patients with thyroid disease end up with pernicious anemia. That's a massive amount. So the tests for B12 are woeful as they are for thyroid disease um and and what what i the mistake i made when i was hypothyroid taking my levothyroxine was i disregarded the advice from other people who knew better they said oh you have to make sure that your b12 levels and your iron levels are good and i thought well my diet is excellent so there won't be anything wrong with those well that was a mistake because i had been taking acid suppressors omeprazole for years um i had acid reflux thought it was the levothyroxine that was causing it and i took these acid suppressors now what they do is they dry up your all your stomach acid you you know they stop the production of stomach stomach acid mm -hmm. so you're not going to then absorb ab12 or iron from your food and sure as eggs is eggs, you're going to end up deficient. But of course, the reference range is too low in the UK, what it is in the States, but here, the bottom of the range is about 200. It's too low. If you were if you were below 500 in Japan, you'd be, you'd be getting injections. So, right. you know, you go to the doctor and you say, I've got tingling, vertigo, um, headaches, blurry eyes, really sore tongue or ulcers at the side of your mouth and, and just kind of weird looking problems where your balance is a bit off or you're misjudging the door frames and banging into things they're all quite you know random things but if you're hypothyroid you absolutely have to have your b12 tested and it's not a great test so you know ask them to check you for pernicious anemia maybe do um, methylmalonic acid homocysteine tests but again I'm speaking here casually about the things that you need to do the reality is when you go to the doctor 
year in the NHS. You've got 10 minutes and they're just not going to be interested in ordering expensive tests. They'll do a serum B12 test and if it comes back over 200, then they'll consider that you're fine. And you really probably won't be fine unless it's well over six. So yeah, that was, that's another area where not only am I buying my thyroid meds online, um, I'm buying B12 injections. And you have to buy them online? Lorraine, yeah, sorry yeah. For, for interrupting you. So you have to get your B12 online? Yeah. You, you cannot get that from your physician in Scotland, nor the NDT. For, for those that are listening, how hard yeah. is it for you to get those to be addressed in Scotland currently? Not, nigh on impossible. Yeah, wow. it's not impossible. Because um, by the time I had learned enough, and had any testing done for people, I had been supplementing myself. I'd been taking some sublingual B12s, um, and they didn't really help with the symptoms much. They helped a, a little, but you know, a sublingual B12 isn't going to really do any damage from long-term deficiency, but it is going to make the blood look good for long enough that you have a test at your doctor, and he, you know, he'll say, "Well, your blood levels are fine." But they're only fine because I've just, you know, been taking supplements for weeks. There's no proof that B12 in my blood is making it through to my cells. I've had MRIs done on my neck because some of the spinal fluid in my cervical neck had just dried up and gone, basically. Um, the discs were bulging. And these are things that the neurologist says you won't usually see in a woman of your age. I think I was 45 at the time. And he said, you wouldn't normally see that kind of wear and tear and damage until someone was 65, a bit older. So, I, you know, I can't prove it, but I know that the years of omeprazole, um, mm -hmm. if you want to go through a battle with doctors and come off all your medications for probably three months to then get some accurate testing, then that you know that might be worth doing, but I'm not prepared to set myself back health-wise just to get a diagnosis. Because even if I got a diagnosis, I'm offered one injection every three months, and it is not anywhere near enough. So sometimes you have to, you know, if you have to buy it to to live well and get well, then you have to do it. But for people listening, I don't ever think anyone should self-medicate with B12 until they've had tests. Because it's helpful. it's not, you know, you just your body just gets rid of what you don't need. But you if you really want a diagnosis, then don't take any multis containing B12 or folic acid and go and have the testing. It's so important, so common, and we're you know, so many people walking around with potentially questionable diagnosis of fibromyalgia or MS or ME, you know. And they, they haven't tested B12. It's outrageous. We had a even depression. We had a, even a depression night. and anxiety. That, that's yeah. the same thing with B12 levels and and uh, yeah. And and a you question, know question. Those, sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was those, um, Shannon. Oh, <laughs> <You go laughs> no, carry on, carry on. <laughs> uh, no, I was just going to say 
Shannon, are you celiac? Shannon Garrett, autoimmune RN. She had a question. Uh, are you celiac, or I, I, the fact that they don't address your B12 levels, I'm thinking, my God, she probably has never been tested for celiac, or that's like pulling teeth too. Have you ever been tested yeah. for celiac disease? Yeah. Well, funny you asked me that. I saw my endocrinologist a month ago, and I keep I keep him on my my books, as it were. Not because I take yeah, a blind bit of notice of what he says about thyroid, um, you know, he, he's not prescribing it. <laughs> I just I just see him now and again if I want any checkups on my thyroid situation. Um, but thyroid. So I was there a couple of weeks ago or a month ago, and I said, you know, I don't think this is right that I've had this diagnosis for ten years and I've never been checked for celiac. And he, he quite he was quite rude. He said, Look at the size of your file. I'm sure I've tested you for everything. And wow. I said <laughs> I said, I'm really sure we haven't. I said, and anyway, you know, you're getting paid for it, so you know, play the game. Um and and he looked through my files and he said and I said, Oh, and by the way, I said I was told that my antibodies were tested and they weren't, you know, so I allowed my thyroid to come out on the say so that these tests have been done and they hadn't. So always, always get a copy of your lab tests. Um, and he looked through my file and he said, oh no, you haven't been tested. That was an oversight. I said, yeah, just like I wasn't tested for pernicious anemia. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't tested for pernicious anemia when I was, you know, using a walking stick, you know, when I was falling down and, you know, nothing was tested then. So mm -hmm. yeah, it was tested two weeks ago and it was, negative antibodies but he said he's a, he's a nice guy he said you know you've got um celiac gluten sensitivity as have most hypothyroid patients um just you know maybe take some digestive enzymes make sure your stomach acid's good and always take your iron and i was really surprised at him saying that but he said to me most women could do with iron stuff probably their 50s but look at your fingernails. If they're coming up nice and pink and they're not ridged, then you're probably fine. Lift down your eyelids. If they're nice and pink, you're probably fine. But if you start to feel a bit breathless on exertion, a bit more hair loss, then get back in your iron. But celiac, no, I'm negative. I think that's cause for celebration, don't you? Yes, absolutely. Although There's I one thing I, I haven't got. That I don't trust that test. I, I tested negative for celiac disease too, and I'm reliant on my iron supplements and my B12 sublingually every day to, to function. And uh, I test negative for, for celiac disease, but I feel uh, much better, or I should say I feel much worse when I do eat uh, gluten. And so the doctors think that, you know, I, I've never been tested for gluten intolerance, because uh, that's not something that my regular physician will even, you know, address. That's that's normally, you know, very specialized testing, and and uh, other people can do that. Health coaches and and uh, you know, holistic physicians and stuff. And your doctor can do it too, but they don't. They won't. But I have a terrible yeah. time with gluten, and I I have real. What kind of symptoms? Uh, yeah. What 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 do you mean? What do you feel like um, indigestion or sweating or health? You know, for for me, it's it's. It's what's interesting is is my problem with thyroid disease has always been cognition. Uh, I suffer from you know severe cognition issues, 
uh, my mother died from with hyperparathyroidism. She got an adenoma. She had long-time thyroid disease that wasn't un, you know, that was uncontrolled, and uh, so she died with that quote-unquote, you know, uh, Alzheimer's diagnosis that I know for a fact, being her daughter, was was her thyroid over the years. But for me, it's entirely yeah. cognition, Lorraine. I have, you know, someone can have a discussion with me, and I can be looking right at them. I can be hearing everything they've said and, you know, 30 seconds, 15 seconds later, I have absolutely no idea what that person just said to me. It was very, very scary when I was originally diagnosed, which was not long after my mom had passed. I went to the doctor with a whole list of testing and I said, you know, please just test this. And they were very gracious and they did. And uh, my antibodies were about 400 and uh, but my thyroid was uh, still in a very normal range, but my cognition mm. was horrific. My my B12 was around 186, my ferritin was around eight, and um, it was very scary because I really felt like I was losing my mind. And I do still at times when I do yeah. eat certain types of gluten, and and Dana hears this all the time, you know, through PMing. You know, we we speak almost every day. But you know, if I eat something specifically. It's of enormous cognition consequences. It's it's very very scary. Uh, so for me, and it's entirely has, different cognition. Have, but you also have What's some that? physical issues as well with gluten sometimes, right, Tiff? Uh, <laughs> I have to giggle. I don't remember. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, no, like you you said, your face gets swollen. Oh yeah, not not all the time though. I mean, sometimes I'll definitely. Um, end up with a very, you know, submandibular swelling, and uh, that's not very common. I would say that happens maybe twice a year. I really think that that's, uh, you know, a lot of times that will be when I've had that occasional, you know, an occasional beer or glass of wine or or whatever where, you know, I don't normally drink. Usually that will happen uh, with alcohol. And, uh, Yeah. yeah, it's very scary, you know, because, none of us are are clear cut you know issues you know they're no they go from well, that, meal to meal yeah, because and day to day and it's frustrating it is frustrating because the brain fog and the, the you know the problems that you have with celiac is so similar to the brain fog that you have when you're hypothyroid even with normal labs so called normal labs i couldn't do the five times multiplication table at one point for my son I didn't know what five times five was my brain stopped working um that that did affect itself when I went on to NDT but not fully and I really think the B12 is the the missing link here but I would be careful about relying on B12 sublinguals because not all going to absorb that it's not always into pills it's not as effective as the b12 injections for undoing any damage you know to the the nerves the peripheral nerves the myelin sheath you're not going to correct any damage from the blingwell b12 if you've got a b12 issue i was at a conference in may where sally patchlock came to speak you know your american campaigner for b12 Mm-hmm. And she was amazing. And it was so interesting to hear her speak about the harm that can be done from people relying on B12 
or be complex in never addressing the underlying anemia. If it is pernicious anemia, if you have no way of absorbing that, then sublinguals and multivitamins just won't cut it, you know. So I wonder if that's something, Tiffany, you should maybe look into. Yeah, you know, Actually, I, with regard my, to the... my physician is, you know, he, um, I'm trying to think of how to say this nicely. <laughs> God bless him. He's, um, you know, he tells me as long, because I take about 5,000 uh, sublingual, and I do very well as long as I take it every day. If I miss that, <laughs> that's a whole other issue. If yeah. I miss a day on accident, <laughs> you know, if my, yeah. my routine is out of whack and I miss it, I'm like, oh, what is wrong? You know, and then I'll go, oh, mm. that's it. You know, he seems to think that sublinguals uh, at certain dosages are just as effective as uh, injections. And um, I'm not sure that I necessarily agree with him, although I do, like I said, I do <coughs> fine as long as I take the sublingual. I can't, I can't ever take an oral uh, yeah. B12. It has to be a sublingual. But, um, you know, I just think that... Yeah, you do mind. notice the difference. Um, I'm sorry. Sorry, my my um, mother's on them. I got my mother on to B12 sublinguals because she's she's in great health. She's seventy two and she's fabulous health. Never sits down. Always on the go. Um, but she just started to feel really tired in the afternoons and started to be a little bit claustrophobic. One of the the more out there symptoms of it, where you you suddenly develop a fear of enclosed spaces, even if it's a car or something. And yeah, I asked her all the symptoms that she'd been having and it, and it added up, and I'm not a doctor, but it added up to B12 yeah. iron. Yeah. Um, iron was low as well, you know, because she's not a massive eater. She's a slim built lady and she's had four pregnancies and, you know, your stomach acid gets reduced as you get older anyway. So you're going to have deficiencies building up because you don't have enough acid to take food. Um, we need a doctor. She's never been ill, and she says that doctors just cause you problems because you know everything they've done to me has caused me problems. <laughs> so she, she, takes, she takes her sublinguals and she feels fantastic. And if she runs out and forgets to buy them for two weeks, she goes back down. I do know that they have an impact. There isn't enough evidence. I'm not sure there's any evidence that they are as able to replace the damage to the myelin sheath as the injections would. So it's just something to think about. Well, yeah, Lorraine, I wanna jump in. I wanna jump in really quick um, and say, I'd like to talk to, to you about your, what you've done as far as raising awareness and your advocacy work for those of you who suffer over there in Scotland. Let's talk a little bit about yeah. Thyroid Petition, Thyroid Petition Scotland. Okay, um, late 2012, myself and two other ladies together when we learned in Scotland you can put a petition into the government with just one signature they'll accept it based on merit you know the quality of the, the subject matter so we got yeah. together we didn't know each other we hadn't met and spoke via email we got this petition and it was accepted and February yeah February 2012 I think it was no February 2013 Myself and the other lady, Sandra, went to the parliament, and that's the video that you referred to earlier, and we gave uh -huh. gave her evidence. We basically asked for an overhaul on 
enjoy testing because as as things stand in the UK, all you get tested is TSH and free T4. If you're lucky, that is. Very often, doctors just test TSH, um, you know, to, to get a diagnosis. So we wanted them to include the T3 test, reverse T3, all the antibodies, a standard. And we want them to look at adrenal function, test the cortisol and um, all the other nutrients, all the things I've spoke about, you know, your iron and your B12, folate levels, D levels. You know, huge problem in Scotland with um, MS, multiple sclerosis, and we have a severe vitamin D deficient population. I think the British Medical Journal a few months ago said that 90% of people in the United Kingdom are vitamin D deficient. We don't have sunlight. So all these things should be tested as standard when you go to the doctor complaining of, you know, the symptoms of hypothyroidism. And we've asked for that. Have we got it yet? No, but we've had a few, um, a few meetings, quite a few meetings in Parliament. They've invited some of the so-called experts, uh, the endocrinologists, the people that write the guidelines and um, currently what we're, where we're at is government is running a listening exercise which is asking thyroid patients what are your problems that you've encountered trying to get a diagnosis and then when you finally got a diagnosis problems you've encountered trying to get a choice of medication trying to get everything tested still don't feel well so as part of that thyroid the charity I spoke about have conducted a survey for patients and that closes tonight actually and the results of that survey will go back to the Scottish Government and they'll take it from there and they'll write a report up whatever the outcome of the report is it falls to the petitions committee to decide what further action to take um, the survey is looking really good the feedback so far is nearly 5,000 people have filled it out and they are not happy. They're very much not happy with thyroid testing and treatments going for them. So I think that's really powerful to give them a voice. Um, the other thing that's happening is they have asked, would I like to work alongside the people who write the guidelines and look at just two areas, the two areas that I consider the most desperately in need of attention which is the lack of choice of any medication. You know, we're given no choice. We're given levothyroxine and that's it. Um, and if you don't if you don't tolerate levothyroxine, you you know, you're getting written off and told that um, it must be something else, not thyroid. Right. But you know, if you if you've had a heart attack and, and you're on medication for that heart condition. You don't go back to your endocrinologist with your your pain, your symptoms and your complaints and get told it's not heart related. You know, he, he takes right. responsibility for those medications and for the side effects. But it seems to be unique to thyroid disease. that If you have a problem with a medication, you're getting told it's impossible. It can't possibly be the medication that's at fault. It must be you. And that doesn't make any sense. whatsoever. Um, endless titrated doses 
I loathe that word. I speak to people who have had their levothyroxine dose titrated about 80 times over 10 years. You know, sometimes it's 100, sometimes it's 112.5, sometimes it's 150. Oh, now he's going to take it down because the TSH is too low. And this goes on and on. And they're full of symptoms and they're still really ill. But, oh, but the endocrinologist said, you know, once we get the dose correct, I'll be fine. And as I said to my friend today, you know, once you're dead, you'll be fine too. You'll have no symptoms once you're dead. But <laughs> are you going to wait that long? Oh. Are we waiting that long for this medication to work? So I want, I want them to look at that. I want, I think it's ridiculous that we haven't got any choice in what medications. Um, and I think the T3 test introduced as standard will show up exactly how bad this problem is because you're on levothyroxine here and what levothyroxine does is it lowers your TSH but that's about all it does if they mm -hmm. test your T3 and they find out as they did with me that it's below the range even though the T4 and the TSH look normal it's going to expose what's going on here so, so that's the gist of what we're going to be looking at when I work with the guideline people in Scotland. Um, but those guidelines don't apply to England. We've got our own health service in Scotland, so it applies to us. But um, if Scotland make a change, it's really going to keep having a ripple down effect. And Scotland has historically been one of the leaders in medical advancement. You know, they're not afraid to try new things. So. I'm very optimistic to yield kind of result. Um, it just takes time. It, you know, everything's so slow. Um, but they've, they've done some of their groundwork and they did find in a report that they conducted last year for the parliament, for the petition, that thyroid function tests were based on really poor quality evidence. The now different American biologists and the Association of Clinical Biochemists. Anyway, they're defunct. So this brings me to something that Dr. Skinner said to me. Um, he wrote to the Department of Health in, in London. He said, I do think the Department of Health has a remit to take this matter seriously, as thousands of patients are presently in ill health in the UK following what is one of the major faux pas of the last three decades, particularly the pivotal reliance on thyroid chemistry has no evidential basis and was never validated in clinical trial. And what that means is these tests aren't sound. There was never any scientific trial proving that if you test a TSH and a T4, you know what is going on in that pair of cells. They were never scientifically validated. So we're all banging our heads against walls trying to get enough meds to keep the TSH not too low, but keeping us alive when we're looking in the wrong direction. We need to be disregarding these tests and going back to them and telling them, the, the scientists, the researchers, the, the royal colleges, you prove to me that that works. Right. You give me the you provide me with the evidence that, that works. I've asked numerous medical bodies, the Royal College of Physicians, the MHR, 
the European Medicine Agency nice guidelines. I've asked them all, can you give me some evidence that levothyroxine is a safe and effective treatment for hypothyroidism? Guess how many I've got, how many replies? How many? Zero. Did you, did you get any? Did you oh, get I, got, any, right? I got, lots of, <laughs> got lots of replies. Every single reply saying we don't have that evidence. We oh, don't have right. any. Wow. So millions of people all over the world are taking this drug on trust. That's what we're doing. We're, we're basically that's a, that's a, a flower field moment right there, Lorraine. That's yeah, a flower field moment because that that I think that's a worldwide problem. We all just we trust our doctors. We trust that they're educated. We trust that they are going to do what they need to do to make us feel better. And it's an epic fail. Yes, definitely, is. because you know, actually, they've yesterday. They've they've kind of glossed over the fact that for 80 years people everybody took pig thyroid they've just glossed over that as if it didn't happen you know it's not licensed in, in britain and which is normally because only something that has been always used and used for decades would be granted in and it would just become you know it would become available and it wouldn't have to apply for a license because it already proven its metal kind of thing Right. Well, no, not pig, not pig thyroid. It's been just erased history. It's not referred to when endocrinology medical training. It's not referred to. They're not being deliberately malicious to us. They just don't know about it. Or what little they do know, they've been misinformed about. You know, scaries, bad for your heart, or it's too difficult to control. You know, they've been that line. I don't even have a, a problem with the endocrinologist, I have a problem with further up the food chain, the training mm -hmm. that they're given, what they been given that training. So I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but you make a I lot am. of money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I am too, really. I think it's yeah. a fertility thing. I'm going to go out on a limb there. It's, I think it's a fertility control. And listen, if I if I die tomorrow, please look into it. <laughs> I really well, do. I think it's it's a way that they can listening. control fertility. I know, right? Big, brother, big, big brothers out there listening to Thyroid Nation Radio, Kit. Oh, my God. I I'm completely you, agree I with you. I completely I agree. I think this is... Um, a way to keep women in their place, you know. What what happened in the seventies is the contraceptive pill went everywhere, didn't it? In the seventies, everybody got the contraceptive pill. Mm -hmm. How does the contraceptive pill work? It's it only works by disrupting your endocrine system. That's it. Yep. That's how it works. So, if we've been told this lie, this this is freedom. You can take the contraceptive and be of your fertility well you're not actually are you because either you're too ill and hypothyroid to conceive or you're too ill to even want to do the deed to conceive you know either <laughs> and lack, either way, lack of motivation lack of motivation <laughs> lack of energy lack of i mean it's seriously if you can control the thyroid you can control fertility yeah definitely Going yeah, out on just the before I, okay, well, I want to, I want to just, I want to just mention really quick because I was watching that video and I posted in the Hoshies and Graves group. So those of you listening who have 
if you haven't seen it, it's a really it's really great uh, when you're addressing Parliament. I have to say, they seem very amicable. Yeah, are they're they, great. Like, off camera? Are they off camera? Yeah. As, as, as amicable as it seems? Because they seem, oh. I mean, fabulous. I totally agree, Dana. They seem very pleasant and willing to listen. <laughs> and, yeah, they're, and, and willing they're not. to hear you and, and maybe make some change, whereas I don't feel like that would happen in front of Congress the same way. I just don't, you know? And so well, I, they're, they're I not, like maybe they're, you they're nothing very like, lucky. Yeah, they're nothing like Donald Trump. Nothing <laughs> 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 like Donald Trump. They're, oh they're fantastic. Poor guy. They're very nice people. Very. I had a meeting with the, the, you know, the chairman of the committee that you would have seen in the video, David Stewart, and I had a meeting with him, kind of behind the scenes about the guidelines project taken on, and he is such a compassionate man. He cares so deeply. To me, um, you know, he said one bugbear that I have is. If you have a procedure in hospital or at the doctors, then they always say that you've given your consent. You know, the patient has given consent, informed consent. Know the risks, the situation, and they've given informed consent. He said, we all know that that is nonsense because they speak to patients in a way that they don't convey the reality of the situation. You know, they, they give you statistics about of something going wrong or these are not life. These, these things don't make it clear to a patient. A patient rarely ever understands fully what they're consenting to. And he just cares so deeply that patients are being sold down the river. They're informed about A, the benefits of certain drugs, B, the risks of certain procedures. You know, you're, he's, a, he's a really decent chap. Um, He's now resigned from that role, unfortunately, but I think the new convener's just as fabulous. Um, I was just answering an email from the Parliament on Friday. They asked for my thoughts on whole process, what I thought of, how it's gone so far, and they want to make improvements. What did I think could be improved upon? And I said, I don't think anything could be improved upon because it's a victim of its own success. It's incredibly popular now. People are petitioning for many, many different causes was so effective and it works it's so democratic mm -hmm. you know in London if you want to put a petition in England to the UK Parliament you need a hundred thousand signatures that is very very hard to gather a hundred thousand signatures you know for a a niche cause that okay we know so many people have thyroidism how many people don't realize they have it so it's very hard oh. to get Get them on board and get their signatures. Um, yeah. So yeah, I've been. So I've people been don't know really they, they suffer with it. Yeah, um, we were out last night for drinks. Some friends were all patients, and we all meet every few months for drinks. Um, met six people over the course of the evening with no eyebrows. <laughs> you know, we could tell <laughs> that the out <laughs> and they hadn't been shaved off. But we could just tell, and then we got speaking to these people going, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got fibromyalgia or I've got chronic fatigue syndrome. And you think, you no eyebrows, you're hypothyroid. <laughs> like they, didn't, they just don't know. You know, it's just, it's an epidemic, really is an epidemic. And I'm, um, I'm dissing my own country. I'm in Scotland with a passion. And as I say, I think we 
we've got a fantastic way of making advancements in medicine. It's not a reflection on Scotland that we've got such a problem here because it is a worldwide issue and it all comes down to the test. The test. And the fact that when you are finally diagnosed, you're given one synthetic hormone when your thyroid makes four things. Well, T1, T2, T3, T4 and calcitonin. And Dr Skinner used to say to me, you feel so good on your thyroid because there's an old saying that when you take this out, you might feel better if you back, you know. So I'm putting it back. I'm putting back everything that my thyroid used to make. And that to me is just common sense. Yeah, there's I, nothing complex about it. I got to ask you a silly question, Lorraine. So when you tell your endocrinologist, when you go to have your blood work drawn to make sure everything's copacetic, your your endocrinologist knows, I'm assuming, that you take the NDT? Yes. He okay. wrote, what he he wrote to him. He said he has 18 patients who take it and who feel fantastic, but it would be more than his worth to prescribe Mm, oh words. So um, I wrote to him, yeah, it's, it's awful. I, I emailed him and I said, look, I'm coming to see you about my parathyroids, but here's the situation. The company that I order from online are out of stock. I've got this condition for the rest of my life through no fault of my own, you know, and mm -hmm. you guys removed it, removed my thyroid, and you promised that you would put back what my thyroid made. Well, you've singularly failed because you've only put back synthetic hormone, not all these things. So I, I'm writing to you to say that before I come to see you, will you consider prescribing this? Because I can't live with the stress for the rest of my life of wondering sure. if this online, you know, buying it online without a prescription such is going to carry on. Yeah. And he, he said, can prescribe it, but I will urge your GP to prescribe it. So he wrote to my GP and he said, Lorraine has taken this safely and effectively for three and a half years. Um, it would be very helpful if you could prescribe it. And I have a fantastic GP. I cannot recommend highly enough. She's just lovely. And she did try to prescribe it. She went through the channels that she has to go through to, to get permission. And she was told no. But she gave me a private prescription because, you know, that will be a case the medication. It's not a, like a prescription. Do you understand the NHS system we have here? It's not, um, you know, it's not free and it's not a regular thing. It's just a mm -hmm. private prescription. But I was very, you know, very for it. So that's the situation I'm in, yeah. So he doesn't prescribe it. That's why I said, take a blind bit of notes says thyroid wise and but he monitors me if I want you know if I want any blood tests done he'll do it um but generally I don't even bother with blood tests for thyroid because I know I feel fine you know the temperature I feel fine I've lost you know I lost weight I'm back to my normal weight nine stone something you know my hair's back you know my life's back so I don't why would I want to focus on blood tests that I'm campaigning to get rid of? Right. You know, I'm not Absolutely. interested in, yeah, you know, I don't believe in them. So 
He would monitor me, a, and he sometimes does. I have a note Sorry. For, for everybody that's listening out there and every doctor that ever listens to this show. And, you know, I've been recommending that people have their doctors listen to people like Dr. Holtorf and all the yep. people that talk about these things, right? But my question yeah. is, if if NDT doesn't work so well and we're all crazy and it's it's, you know, not standardized and blah, 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 then how come Hillary Clinton takes it? That's my question. <laughs> yeah. If it's if it's, it's how so badly and doesn't you know is is inferior care, then why is the former first lady, and and you know Democratic U.S. presidential candidate, on Armour thyroid if it's so bad? Absolutely. And how come <laughs> That's what I want Kennedy? Funny <laughs> if Kennedy yeah. was on TV in 1952. Or- you know, oh my gosh! I did not know that. I didn't yeah, either. he had Addison's. He had Addison's disease, oh, and he right. was on. I knew that. But he got hypothyroid as well, so he was on T three. And now I have the endocrinologist tell which Parliament. Oh, we don't know enough about T three yet. That we don't use it as standard. And you think you don't know enough about it? John F. Kennedy was taking it six years ago. It's you know, just, just how long do you need to buy it? It's getting harder and harder to buy the story of it's inferior and we didn't know. You know, it's just getting harder and harder. It's like, okay, so what is the bigger picture here for you guys? Because it certainly looks an awful lot like money somewhere, you know? Yes, yeah, I think so. Driving all of this. Yeah, because levothyroxine, well, what is it, Synthroid in the States is, you know, the number one prescription, I think. One of them anyway, right. top ten. It is. And that's Crazy. obviously quite a lot of money. but in the UK it's mainly generic levothyroxine which costs about a pound you know two dollars to make that's not making anybody rich but the mm. other 17 drugs that you're on for your symptoms is making <laughs> very wealthy you know? I hate that's to right. laugh at that because right. I know that's a, a huge source of contention for you but yes gee whiz, it's so yeah. true sadly yeah and and that's the number one the number one prescription drug in Scotland last year was omeprazole, and that's the acid-testing drug that left me B12. Now, you know, everybody in Scotland is getting antidepressants and omeprazole, and every real underlying issue is being glossed over. And, you know, the health in Scotland isn't particularly great. There's a lot of heart disease. Um, but papering over the cracks with is making somebody very well. And it's not practicing medicine is it i don't feel i don't feel i've ever been to, to really and and had them want to heal me or look for the real root cause of anything mm. apart from so i'm sure sad. i'm sure that you've got such great doctors i mean i'm just a mad fan of dr holtor i just think he's amazing and somebody could clone him and send 10 holtors <laughs> to england yeah, i think well, they could wait. yeah we could wrap we this problem up. To him. Yes, we <laughs> sent him on the show. We told him, we said, we're, you know, same thing with Dr. Holtz. We thought he was fabulous and Dr. Christensen. I mean, if we could just clone mm-hmm. a few of these guys <laughs> and just put them, out yeah. the, put them out in the world, we'd be set, right? We love Dr. Holtz. Yeah, they're them. fantastic. They are fantastic yes, doctors. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm always asked by patients, can you recommend a good thyroid in my area? And I, I can't recommend a good thyroid doctor period that are not in scotland 
Dr. Skinner is dead. There's a nice doctor in England who's elderly and he'll probably retire soon, but that's it. That's your choices. Um, do you want to go and see an endocrinologist? I can't recommend either because here they list many things, many of the peripheral issues, you know, and they won't be anything other than levothyroxine. Maybe a little bit of T3 if you're lucky. But what they tend to do here is give you 10 or 20 micrograms of T3 and then cut your levothyroxine down to 50. So come back and they say, I'm not feeling very well, doctor. And they say, I told you, the T3 isn't any good. You don't need it. That's why you don't feel any better. But the reality is they're not given enough. And they're still given the levothyroxine that's probably making them a bit toxic, you know, converting it. So, yeah, we have doctors, we have drugs. We're in a bad place. Not giving up. Um, and on top of the Scottish petition, I'm off to the European Parliament with my petition to them. And I'm going to sing like a canary over there. And yeah, I've got a lot of irons and a lot of players. I'm speaking to them tomorrow. Um, I've been speaking to lawyers. I can't say too much about that. And I get messages from doctors, GPs, consultants who are just as disgusted as I am. So you feel alone with this, but we're really not. Mm -hmm. There is a swell report out there. The fear that a lot of people aren't ready to speak out because their medical licenses are under threat if they, you know, they don't yeah. buck the trend. But there is support out there. So hang on, dear girls. We are not going to go down without a fight. No. No, certainly not. And Dana, I'm are not. You still with us? I think we might have lost Dana Lorraine. Dana? Oh, okay. So, Dana, can you hear us? Hmm. She's gone. Okay, I think I think She's we gone. lost her. And I think we have think... about not more than five minutes left. Lorraine. Well, I want to thank you for everything, and I know Dana just loves you, and she's going to be horrified I'm that here. she got disconnected. Here, thank God! <laughs> I'm back. Is that, is that a, ba a bathroom break? <laughs> we've, got a, we've got a big thunderstorm rolling through here, ladies, you know, and I'm calling from Costa Rica, so you just never know, which is why Tiffany is the main point when we when we make these phone calls, so, so we don't get disconnected. But, yes, it was absolutely so wonderful to talk to you, Lorraine. I am so thrilled, and you are doing so much over there for thank all those you people. Just so think much. how thank many you. lives you are changing. Well, and thank you. Like a canary. <laughs> yes, I yeah. like a canary. And go and keep doing your show, girls, because honestly, um, me finding help like this on the internet is what kept me alive, and it, and it is. Priceless. I can't tell you how priceless it is when you find. That are you know, find your people online, basically, and and you know you're not alone. So keep doing it for everyone because it it counts. It really does count. Well, thank you, you thank you, thank you so much. We will be so in touch, much. and what, we'd love to hear what what's going on and and how things wrap up over there with what all you're doing. So so have a great I'll keep day. You thank you so much. Please thank you, girl. Post it. Okay, lady. Bye. Thank you. Cheerio. We didn't even get a chance to talk about our Scottish journeys. Uh, we need to just go see her. Oh, that's right. Oh, my gosh. That was one of the main things I wanted you to talk about. Oh, oh poo. For next time. For yes. next time. Okay. Well, we're at.
We're at two minutes and 30 seconds, so we got to wrap this thing up. Okay. It was so great to have her on, was it not? I mean, really? It was really, really wonderful. It was, and we can follow her at Thyroid Petition Scotland, right? Yes, we can. And And she's on on Twitter as well. She's on Twitter as well, so you can follow her there. Yep, Facebook as well. We want to thank our Thyroid Nation radio team. They are always behind the scenes. Some have things to do and some don't, and it just they flip off. They, they take turns taking care of us, and we want to thank them all. Raina Kranz, Laura Schooneman, Melissa Phipps, Life Clifford, Penny Jensen, Sarah Downing, and the fabulous Shannon Garrett. So thank you, ladies, for all you do and your support. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Yes. Make sure to follow Thyroid Nation at thyroidnation.com, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at the Facebook group, Hoshies and Graves Thyroid Nation Radio Talk Show. Which we shorten to just Toffees and Graves because it is a mouthful. <laughs> so next week, please be sure to tune in. We'll be talking live with Katie Cleary. She's the founder of Autoimmune Mom, and she she's really smart. She's just a really cool chick. So tune in with us so uh, you can hear what we have to what she has to share about her autoimmune journey. Absolutely. We want to remind you all that wellness is a journey and takes continual maintenance and evaluation. Please make sure to always listen to your own body and be mindful of what it is telling you. Everybody is different. Yep. No two bodies are the same. No two treatments will be the same, right? Okay, guys, this is Dana, your thyroid nation, Ringatika. Yeah, yeah, from Costa Rica. And Tiffany with GratefulGarden.biz. Bringing the collective voice of thyroid thrivers worldwide so that together, united we heal. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Bye, Dana. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.